Hello, Vitamizers, and welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast. I am Allison with MSW Lounge based in Austin, Texas. As you know, MSW Lounge is located in Westlake Hills in Austin. They provide a variety of services, including vitamin shots and IVs, the whole Slenderella family, concierge medicine, chiropractic, massage therapy, a vitamin drink bar, and tons of other local company offerings for ways to clean up your health and naturally stay that way for a long time. Find out more at www.mswlounge.com. Slenderella is a vitamin shot and IV blend that was designed to help your liver function optimally. It got its name when the creators started noticing that liver detox was causing many clients to lose weight. Now there is a whole line of different Slenderella blends that you can customize for your needs, as well as a supplement line to support all of your Slenderella goals. You can find distributors and more information at www.slenderellausa.com. This show is also brought to you by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. If you can tell by my lovely little sound effect background noise, I am actually traveling this week, and those workouts are perfect to take on the go with you. So that was the whole intention. It is a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more at www.flabstofitness.com. Last but not least, we are brought to you by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre- and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW Lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date on their events and programs. Woo! We did it again, guys. So um, today our guest is a super cool guy. He is a physician, former Marine, um, who then went to uh, stayed in the service um, to get his PhD and uh, MD. It's uh, Dr. Kirk Parsley. Everyone calls him Doc Parsley. Um, he invented Doc Parsley's sleep remedy after dealing with a bunch of servicemen who were all presenting basically as if they were middle-aged metabolic syndrome sufferers, but they were supposed to be in the peak of their health. <laughs> uh, so he actually targeted sleep as the issue these men were having, and his uh, his blend is unique on the market and super awesome. So we delved into the science and story behind that today. And this is a really interesting interview that I think you guys are going to learn a lot from. Uh, sleep is absolutely essential for health. Um, and the way our body treats it, we die sooner without sleep than we do without food. So pretty dang cool. All right. Without further ado, here is Doc Parsley. Awesome. Hey guys, um, welcome to the How Do You Health podcast. We're coming to you live again from MSW Lounge, from, from the lounge part of the room that we're turning into. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's getting a lot of fun. So on today's episode, we're talking to Dr. Kirk Parsley, the sleep doctor, the sleep doc. Uh, we're going to be talking about vitamins. We're going to be talking about longevity. We're going to be talking about anything, sleep. We, want anything about, we want. It's, anything it's probably going to go long because so prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, in and depth. it's going to be a fun, yeah, correct, and in-depth, and it's going to get technical probably, and it's going to get fun. Uh, and then obviously we have Nurse Doza on my left side, uh, our fabulous co-host, and myself, <laughs> Tex-Mex Yogi, 
Let's get this started. Awesome. So we have, uh, we have in front of us right here is Doc Parsley's Sleep Remedy for the people who can see at home. We just started carrying this in MSW Lounge because of how important sleep is to us. And so with Doc here, um, we wanted to kind of talk a little bit about why he became the sleep doctor and why he emphasizes sleep so much. And so I guess the story kind of goes back to your days in uh in the military right yeah okay so tell us uh why do you, why are you the sleep doctor now how'd that come about yeah so it definitely wasn't intentional I yeah mean, I've, um i've never had uh, chronic insomnia i've never had like my own sleep problems or even you know had a family member or loved one with that uh, but uh you know actually you know when i went to you know so i i got out of uh, high school, I went directly to the military, and and I was a SEAL then, but then I got out, and I went to college, came back into the military to go to the military's medical school, so I could get out of no debt, right? That's sure, great. yeah, yeah, and, that was smart. But then I, had, <laughs> then I had to go be, a, you know, essentially a GP for them somewhere. Sure. Um, so, and if you do this little one-year residency in, in dive medicine, then you can go to diving units, so you can do, you know, SEALs and EOD and submarines and diving and all that stuff so I figured I'd try to get back with my boys you know and do that so I got I got back there you know my plan was to be an orthopedic surgeon I had like really good background like a really really solid background in sports medicine I worked at a San Diego sports medicine center the whole time I was in college and then I'd done you know an orthopedic uh, internship essentially and um, you know I I was like to go do some sports medicine, right? I just like show up, like oh, I know, I know exactly what's going on. Like I, I know seals, like the injured shoulders, neck, low back, like got it. And uh, I got there at a great time where they're building this big sports medicine facility. Uh, the money had just come through. It takes like a decade to get anything paid for, right? Mm. In, in uh, the military, so they're like, "Hey, this is your project now. So build us a sports medicine facility." I'm like, "Right on, right?" So I did, and I got to hire. Uh, I get to be part of the hiring process for like our first nutritionist, our first strength and conditioning coach, our first exercise physiologist, and, now, and this is two thousand nine, right? Like this isn't yeah. Like, we're not talking like way back when. <laughs> so it wasn't that long ago? We like we had no plan for any of this stuff. It's just like go out there and work really hard, sure, and, and you'll be healthy. Um, so, anyways, then you know I had this great clinic, PTs, ATCs, yeah. You know, we had acupuncture coming through, we had pain coming through, we had ortho coming through. It's like everybody, Nas the dumbest guy around, right? So put me in charge, right? So yeah. now I manage all of this. And my office was literally just in the corridor in between the two sides of this facility. And uh, I'd been a SEAL recently enough to where a lot of my friends were that I was SEALed with were still there. Mm-hmm. So they knew me, so they yeah. trusted me. And SEALs don't trust doctors. They're, sure, like, of course. they're like athletes, right? Right. The doctor's the guy who's going to put you on the bench. Yep. So they they lie. You know, I'm yep. like, how's everything? Great, man. Yeah. You know, they walk out, they're like, oh, gee. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're not going to tell him. And so they come in and they shut the door. And I'm like, hey, man, let me tell you what's really going on with me. And, like, you know, I'm, I'm like, crying doing commercials. And, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm really moody. I'm angry. I get super angry with my kids for no reason. Like, I get get really anxious it takes me like five times leaving my house before I can get to work because I forget my wallet and then I forget this and I forget that and, uh, um, you know I can't you know I, 
I can't sleep. I like I get up really early. I go to the gym. I work out really hard. My body composition shifting. Like I feel like I'm getting fat. I'm getting weaker. I'm getting slower. And this is a Navy SEAL telling you this. Yeah. And yeah. so and this is by their standards. Too, right. right. Sure. So sure. like I mean, take it in context. Like they're way fitter than I am right of course. now. But they, um, but you know, they consider themselves you know on, on a serious decline. And um, so anyways, I yeah they list off this whole list of symptoms. And the first guy tells me all this, and I'm just like, I don't have any idea. <laughs> so, okay, um, let's just do some labs. So I just like, started like 98 labs was like my standard panel. And then once one guy comes to see you, sure. then he tells his buddy. And then, sure. So within you know probably three weeks, I had 100 guys who have told me the exact same story. Sure. I still don't have any idea. Like I'm getting labs on them. They're, you know, the... All of their anabolic markers are low. All of their catabolic markers are high. Oxidation is high. Sure. Um, you know, inflammatory markers are high. Um, lipids are off. Like, you know, like, hey, they're a mess, right? They, it sure. looks like a metabolic syndrome 55-year-old guy with a gut, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, not that, a Navy SEAL. Right, doesn't look like a 28, 34-year-old. Fit individual, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I'm just like... I, I don't really know. I mean, like adrenal fatigue, I thought, you know, sure. like that was kind of my first thing. I mean, you know, and, and that was really kind of the turning point in my medical career where I realized medical school had not prepared me at all to do what I needed to do. Sure. Because nobody had a disease and that's all I yeah. knew how to do. Yeah, like, right. I know how to recognize disease, identify it and, and treat it. Yeah. If you don't have a disease, what the hell am I? I don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. So literally is about the hundredth guy who came and told me this story and he also said that he didn't sleep well and then and that he took Ambien every night and I was like you know, light bulb goes off. I'm like, Well maybe that matters. Like I don't know, like I never had any classes on sleep in medical school, but maybe that matters. So right. That's crazy. I start looking it up and and start looking up like what happens when you sleep. I didn't know. Like yeah. I guarantee you, ninety five percent of your audience doesn't know what happens right, when right. you sleep. Yeah, something we all do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. I I do lectures all the time. One of the questions I always ask people well, at the beginning of lectures, I'm like, "Can somebody here give me a definition of sleep?" Crickets. 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 Yeah. And I'm like, "All right, has anyone here slept before?" And I'm like, yeah. 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 And you can't de- you can't define it. Like, don't you find that a little remarkable? I yeah. mean, that's that's kind of a strange thing. Yeah. So that. And when I realized how ignorant I was about sleep, I just thought, man, that's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, so I look in the medical literature. Well, what do you do if people can't sleep? Well, first you teach them about sleep hygiene. Okay. And then you teach them how to relax or whatever. And then you give them a Z drug, Ambien, sure. and Nesta. Yeah, yeah. And then if that doesn't work, you give them a Benzo. And if that doesn't work, you give them right in. A tranquilizer. Yeah, <laughs> essentially, you're down to tranquilizers right? yeah. at, the, at the end of them, like antipsychotic tranquilizing sure. drugs. Yeah. Um, and all of those drugs are dis- disqualifying for a SEAL, so they can't do any of it. And they just did this little kind of slide of the pen to allow them to take Ambien. Because they didn't have any choice, right? Sure. Because they're flying from here to there, working at night here, working in the day here, like you know, yeah. definitely. So, give them, give them Ambien. They, that that's not a psychotropic drug. Sure. The drug that is well known and has been, <laughs> yeah. has been sued many times <laughs> for people with retrograde amnesia yes. taking their drugs and 
driving to Vegas and picking up hookers and like and all not remembering this, it. and not remembering it. Yeah, at, at yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's not that's not a psychotropic drug, so that's okay. <laughs> and very self serving Of course, say, of course. Right? So anyway, I start looking at them. I start learning a little bit about sleep. I'm like, well, it really seems like these drugs mess up the sleep architecture. You know, I'd caught on this really cool phrase, sleep architecture. And yeah. It's like the, you know, the polysonogram, when you combine that with uh, lots of other data, you can figure out, like, you know, when you're in deep sleep and mm-hmm. when you're in, you know, stage one, two, three, four, all mm-hmm. the way back yeah. up to REM, back sure. down. Um, and one thing is that the, they were almost all drinking sure. as well. So sure. they were drinking you know, anywhere from two to four or five drinks every night and taking Ambien. Okay. And so Ambien destroys REM sleep and interferes with deep sleep mildly, 20, 30%. I mean, that's not insignificant, but relative to REM, I mean, it's like REM's gone on right. Ambien. Like, you don't have any REM. Okay. Um, and then alcohol destroys deep sleep. Yep. <laughs> and has about the same effect, about a 20, 30% on REM. So... When I was when I started getting sleep studies on these guys, once I first started kind of getting clued in on it, I'm like this might be actually the like the Occam's razor, right? And like because sure. when I did their ninety eight panels, you know, ninety eight uh, test panel, you know, thirty to thirty five of those markers weren't where I would expect them to sure. want them to be. How long was this testing period? Like for how long were you testing? So I mean, this was. Uh, I mean, I, I was. I was doing it the whole time I was there, so that was three years. Okay. Um, and then, and I still treat those guys. I still do. I do. I don't do nearly the same panel anymore because I learned how to refine it down to what I sure, need. Sure, sure, sure. You know? um, I but, guess I meant like before years. Like okay, I'm catching on to this. Yeah, I mean it. It, it, it took me like a year, okay. really, to come up with the sleep drugs and the alcohol were interfering with the quality of their sleep. I was getting them sleep studies and they were 99% stage two sleep, which is transition sleep, right? Sure. That's like not really Nothing. thought to be any real big benefit. In right. There. Um, so I was like, wow, 98% stage two, that's really bad because I read over here that all of your growth hormone and testosterone and uh, all of your anabolic activity happens, 100% of the repair of your mm-hmm. body happens during deep sleep and these guys don't have any deep yeah. sleep and then all of their memory consolidations and you know categorization of uh, emotional events, like all of that stuff is happening in REM sleep, and they're getting that. So, yeah. no shit, these guys have problems. Yeah, you know? of course, of, of course. course they had. This all makes sense. So yeah. it was kind of the one unifying theory. Now, along the lines, I was still trying, you know, treat people for adrenal fatigue. I, I was giving them actually IVs that I got in trouble for. Really? In the military because it wasn't standard of care. So Wait, what, I, what kind of IVs? Like vitamins or just hydration? No, I, I was giving them Myers cocktails. Oh, with, okay. You know, yeah. A few things yeah. mixed in, a few extra things mixed in to Myers cocktails. Um, and, you know, I was treating them, you know, with supplements for adrenal fatigue and that wasn't within my scope either. Yeah. And so Bureau of Medicine kept, you know, looking at my skirt and getting pissed oh, off. Oh, we know. And telling me, <laughs> don't do that, don't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, okay. So then, of course, I still did it. We just kept going. He's like, all right, we need to close the door next time we start this IV. Like, um, I'm still going to do it. Like, I care more about the SEALs than what Washington, D.C. thinks about what I'm doing. Of course. Like, I don't care. Uh, um, I, um, I mean, and right I, I had no intention of staying in the military for the rest of my life anyway. Right? But you know they needed this, yeah, right? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I'm... I'm here to serve these guys. Yeah. I'm not here to serve you. Like, yeah. You're an oversight committee. You tell me what I can and can't do. I'll listen to you as much as I want to, but I'm here to serve these guys. Sure. And and it was really that attitude that allowed me access to the real story. Yeah. And SEALs are remarkably good patients when they're motivated to be. Sure. Right? So when they come to see me because they want to see me and they think I can help them, these guys will journal everything you oh, can yeah. tell them. Like they will keep the most perfect log you, oh, yeah. you, you've ever seen. They'll, tr- I mean, this is well before any real, you know, sleep tracking devices. These guys like headed down to the minute how long they were asleep and how long they thought it took them to sleep. And sure, I mean, so I got really good feedback. Now the problem was I couldn't just say don't drink and give me your Ambien and suck it up, Buttercup. Right, yeah. I got to. I gotta give them something else. Sure. I gotta give them an alternative. Even if it's just placebo, like I gotta give them something. So, really early on in my understanding of sleep, I read about how important vitamin D3 was. And of course, all of my guys were deficient on vitamin D3. Sure. And it made sense, right? They work at night, they sleep during the day. When they are out during the day, they're usually covered in head to toe and you know, body armor and camouflage gear and helmets and goggles and they don't get any sun exposure. So I'm like, I'm the smartest doctor in the world. I figured it out. I'm like, everybody take vitamin D3. And then I was giving people, I think, uh, six to 8,000 IUs because the little Carlson drops were 2,000 IUs per drop. Right? Yeah. And I was like, do three or four drops a night. Bureau of Medicine didn't like that either. I'm like, uh, you're going to overdose them. You're going to vitamin D3 toxicity. I'm like, really? Vitamin D3 toxicity. Let me look this up. Wait, what's, what standards are they looking at, by the way? USRDA. Really? 400 IU. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just, perfect, just curious. Perfect, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, like, go ahead. <laughs> all right. I don't know how that's going to work. So 400 <laughs> IU. Uh, so I'm giving them six to 8,000. Like, I've got, I've got this all solved, right? And, yeah, a little bit of improvement. Sure. And, uh, again, like treating the adrenals a little bit. I mean, everybody had it to some mm-hmm. degree. Now, sort of a caveat that we won't get into is that they all have hundreds, if not thousands, of traumatic brain injuries too. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was playing a that was playing a role in there that I didn't realize that how big of a role that was until about a year and a half into all this. Okay. Um, but you know, at the beginning, I'm like, all right, vitamin D three will will solve it, and it has some moderate results. And I keep reading, keep learning, and I'm. The best thing about it was I could call anybody and I could say, hey, I'm the doctor for the West Coast SEAL teams and I read your book and I'd like to come train with you or I'd like to, and yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Not a single person turned me down. Of course. So anybody in sort of the alternative, integrative, functional, whatever we're calling it these days, um, anyone in that field, in the non-traditional medical space and naturopaths and, you know, everybody, I'd, they'd all gladly help me and, and and I so I mean my learning curve was like sure the roof. Awesome. I mean sure. I got like four years of education in a year probably You're right um so it's good um and uh so I, I find out well vitamin d3 requires magnesium right it's a cofactor for the re- sure. every single vitamin d3 reaction requires magnesium are they magnesium deficient you bet all yeah. right let's give them magnesium 
And then I started, you know, fucking around with melatonin because I'd read about melatonin and uh, I don't think the melatonin was really that successful. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of an all or nothing, like maybe five, maybe five to 10% of the people would say, oh yeah, like this worked. Sure. Max, max 10%. It was usually much less than that. Uh, and everybody else uh, either okay. kept me awake or yeah. nothing. Um, so I just, you know, I just kept adding an ingredient, adding an ingredient, adding an ingredient. And all I was doing is I was trying to recreate the normal transition, right? So as most people know these days, you know, we evolved to use the sun as our cues to when to be awake, when to be asleep. Mm-hmm. We're, I mean, we're probably without, you know, tools, weapons, you know, we're probably the shittiest predator on the planet, right? Like, I mean, these things like a really angry raccoon, we'd all be like, you know, yeah, yeah, and that's not even a badass animal, right? Right, like, right, right, right <laughs> we're, yeah. we're like, we're crappy predators, so <laughs> it makes rabies. So, yeah. <laughs> so it makes sense that we'd want to be yeah. asleep at night when we're even crappier predators, yeah. right? And and um, so you know, we evolved that way. I mean, it makes sense, logical. I mean, I'm I'm obviously guessing at that. Sure. I can't say that, but. Um, you know, it makes sense. So, since the sky is blue, it's blue light that we sense. And once the blue light goes out of our vision, once we quit getting triggered by that, some ganglion in the back of our eyes called retinal ganglion have nothing to do with vision, which is why a lot of blind people can still use the sun as their cue. It, you know, it starts this really circuitous pathway that eventually leads to the pineal gland secreting melatonin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that it does is lower down on the brainstem, you start producing more GABA. And so all of this, all of this hype about blue blocking glasses and blocking your screens with efflux and mm-hmm. da 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 da, like all this, all of this stuff is really around two things. There's only two things that you need to sleep. And you just think about it. 2,000 years ago, just imagine, close your eyes and imagine what it would have been like to live mm-hmm. in the world and the sun go down. And when would you sleep? And why would you sleep? And if you've ever gone camping, yeah. <laughs> like you've experienced this, right? Mm-hmm. If you've ever gone someplace with no electricity, the sun goes down. About three hours later, like you are dead tired, yeah. man. And you sleep. And you sleep on the ground, like uncomfortable conditions. Sure. And you sleep hard and you get up the next day. And, and you know, we, we are actually, you know, in the circadian rhythm, which is a fancy word, right? It means nothing. It's circus, about dia's day. It's about a day rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, and all it is is obviously the sun going up and down. That's all we're triggering into is blue light, lots of blue light, no blue light. Sure. And that's where our trigger is. However, with all of the light we have nowadays, we screw that up, mm-hmm. right? Because we can have light in our eyes up until the minute we go to bed. We have blue light. Um, and then the other thing that has to happen, though, is that you have to, you can imagine if we, you know, a couple of thousand years ago, if you were being hunted, right? Mm-hmm. If you thought there was an animal trying to prey on you, you think you'd go to sleep just because the sun went down. No, you'd stay awake, right? You'd override the need to sleep because your life depends on it. It's important, sure, right? Um, your, your, your amygdala is screaming at you, like, stay awake, stay awake. Like, there's danger over there. You hear that? Yeah, you smell mm-hmm. that? Sound, right? And you would stay awake. Well, that's the same thing we do to ourselves with work and traffic and happy hour and, you know, uh, you know, exciting television, like surround sounds and sure. all this other stuff. We can override this 
But that's all there is to sleep hygiene, right? The GABA coats our brain, right? Mm-hmm. It comes from the lower brain. Coats our whole brain, our motor, our motor cortex, our sensory, like all of that. So the neocortex, the part of the brain that people look at and think of a human brain, the wrinkly bit, mm-hmm. that whole part of the brain slows down essentially, or we lower the resting potential, right? Sure. Right? Increase the activation potential. It's harder to fire those neurons. So it's harder to feel. It's harder to move. It's harder to smell. It's harder to think. It's harder to see because everything's a little slower. And that's that pre-sleep we all know, right? That's that you know, stage one where you're laying there and you're kind of like, I know what's going on, but I don't re- I'm not really 100% in it. And I mm-hmm. feel like I could react, but I'd have to get to a different state to be able to interact with sure. what's going on in my life. All that is is your brain slowing down. You can override that by activity. You put too much light in your eyes, you override the other system. Yep. So you never trigger the cascade. So what I, I mean, my whole formulation, the whole reason I started all this was I was just trying to recreate what would happen if you didn't have light, right? If you didn't have the sun and you didn't have stimulation, um, what would happen? So, well, tryptophan would become 5-hydroxytryptophan and with the help of vitamin D3 and magnesium, that would become serotonin and serotonin would become melatonin. Melatonin would eventually shut down your body, your brain's response to stress hormones. Yep. Um, epinephrine and norepinephrine, and also cortisol, and eventually lead to a decrease in adrenal production of hormones. So all of those weight-promoting hormones would decrease, and GABA would increase and flood your brain, slow your brain down, and you'd fall asleep, and it takes about three hours, three and a half hours. They're still doing studies today. They've never stopped find hunter-gatherer tribes who've never been exposed to electricity, they fall asleep three to three and a half hours after the sun goes down. Every single one of them, all, like every time, they all sleep until the sun comes up. And usually the reason they wake up uh, isn't the sunlight, it's their bottom body, you know, the bottom out of their body temperature. So their body temperature gets so low that it triggers a stress response and their adrenals kick in and then they wake up and then the sun comes up and it further it furthers that pathway. So I said, all right, well, who spends three hours getting ready for bed? No one. Nobody. Mm-hmm. So what can we do? Well, let's super concentrate everything that I just said. Right. And just make, like, let's just put it in there. Yeah. But all it really does is it just brings the lumber to the construction site, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't force your brain to do anything. Your brain still has to do all of the work sure. to get you to sleep. And then... Um, you know, the beauty of this is, you know, apart from the vitamin D3, everything's water soluble and it's all, I mean, it's all out of your, it's all out of your bloodstream and all in your bladder, uh, within probably three to four hours after you take it. But, uh, I mean, it's very common that people come up to me and, you know, at expos like paleo or something sure. and they take a sample and they come and they go, man, I slept 12 hours last night. Sure. I'm like, well, it's not because of this. Right, right, right. <laughs> this doesn't last anywhere close to 12 hours. Uh, but you know, you gave them permission to sleep, and sure. you gave them, sure. like, you allowed, you know, they felt the the real the normal cascade, and they got into the right rhythms of sleep, and they actually had some really strong sleep architecture, and yeah, now they feel great, now they, now they're hooked, you know. Yeah, can you can you speak a little bit about also like the quality of the ingredients because you'll see have people say even with us like well I take one of those too right yeah. like right. why does it my like it's the same thing. But that's not going to work because I take mine. Yeah, so I mean, one of the I mean one of the things that 
that matters a lot is the ratios of everything, mm-hmm. right? So you can't just say, well, you know, tryptophan helps with sleep, so I'm going to go take X dose of tryptophan. And, like, you can't just go guess at all. Like, this took, this took, like, a year of people coming back and telling me, you know, and it would, and I, and I had to see a trend in it, right? It couldn't just be like yeah. one guy who comes back. It had to be all right now. Twelve guys have told me the same thing that did this. Sure. Well, you know, let's dial this down or let's dial this up mm-hmm. or whatever, right? So like the ratios of everything really matter, and it's really hard to get that right. And I don't know that it's perfect or ideal. I suspect it's not. I mean, it's probably slightly better, but you know, this is a really effective product. I mean, yeah. eighty-five, probably eighty-five, ninety percent of people take it. It's like wow. Yeah amazing yeah that's you know i mean you guys deal with supplements very many very few people even know they took a supplement yeah but they're like did i take my supplements today or not yeah they take this and like man did i sleep i'll put it this way for the listeners at home i was in pain management and you probably know this too kurt but like it i remember i read and listened to a lecture one time they said 50 percent of all the pain management interventions in traditional medicine is effective means half of it is effective right I would be curious to see what kind of statistics Ambien has as far as effectiveness and then what they qualify as effectiveness. I can tell you that. Okay. I bet you can. <laughs> You're going to love it. So now this is cherry-picked data, right? Because this is what pharma turned into the FDA, sure. right? Sure. This is their cherry-picked data. It will, um, it will shorten the ons- the, what we call the delay to sleep or onset of sleep. Mm-hmm. When you lay down, how long before you're asleep, before you're asleep, right? It shortens that by 13 minutes, right? Okay. So if you're an insomniac, you usually lay down for three to four hours. Sure. So hey, it's only three hours and 47 Forty minutes. Yeah, 47 now. minutes, yeah. Uh, and it increases total sleep by 38 minutes on average. So this is usually given to people who are like aren't sleeping or sleeping two hours or sure. four hours. So. 38 minutes of sleep would be better than not getting that 38 minutes of sleep if they had normal sleep architecture. They're probably better off not taking the sleep drug, getting two hours of real sleep, and just going through the day tired, knowing their limitations, knowing that they're essentially walking around just like they're drunk, right? Their their performance and everything is similar to being really intoxicated if you've been doing this, you know, if you've had insomnia for a protracted period of time. Yeah. Um, so 13 minutes shorter to fall asleep and 38 minutes total. And this is like the best they could come up with. And that did not outperform placebo. So but they still got it passed. Yeah. However, I, I have no idea. So I, I, well, I, think, I do. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how, you know how it happened. Well, I mean, so, so the ambient aspect, first of all, ambient is a, um, a minor form of a, like a, like a tranquilizer almost. I mean, essentially what you're doing is you're turning someone into a zombie, right? I mean, yeah. what you're doing is you're, you're trying to say like- Especially with alcohol, right? We're like, yeah. we're, like, it's kind of weird because like when someone blacks out, essentially like their brain kind of shuts off like thinking ability, but then like their body continues. Yeah, so when I'm saying the GABA slows down that external cortex, right? So it's like, you know, this is the lizard brain, then our neocortex sits over it right there. Sure. Right? So this whole part, that's all the part that Ambien's affecting, right? Right. And it's turning it off. This part's still working. Right, exactly. Fight. Yes. Fight. Yes. 
So, right. So, so this is why people go do continuously they go do stuff eat yeah. and fornicate <laughs> and right. They're thinking about the to do list. They're like, right. I got all this shit that need to do. Yeah. I can't sleep. So this. So <laughs> when people take Ambien and you dissociate all of their rational thoughts, then only their brainstem is functioning. So they're functioning hedonistically, right? Like a blackout. Right. So it's just like a blackout. And they have no idea they did it. I mean, there's research. I mean, this is... This is is what it does. This This is is so well documented. Yeah. You put somebody in a room like this, you have a bed, you have cameras all over, you give them their ambient, they lay down, they stare at the ceiling for a while... You tell them they can do whatever they want. They get up, they go play video games, they go in the kitchen, they make some ramen. They da, 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 da. They go lay down two hours before their alarm's going to go off. They fall asleep, their alarm goes off, and they go, ah, slept eight hours. Yeah. And then you get up and I'm like, who made all this mess? I don't know. Yeah. I actually had a, a, a patient who was a nurse. Well, she wasn't a patient. She was a friend of mine who was a nurse. Um, and she was going through a divorce, and her doctor gave her Ambien. And the next day, uh, so she took the Ambien, and the next day she comes downstairs and decides that someone's broken into her home and runs upstairs and calls the police. And it was her. Like, she had gone down in the middle of the night and, like, ransacked everything, was eating, like, cupcakes and, you know, like, (laughs) cooking, you know. You know, cooking all spaghetti and all sorts of stuff, and she thought people had been in her house, but it had been that's her. crazy. Especially their own party. This is, I mean, this isn't even rare. I mean, no, it's not even close to. This being is rare. the most common side yeah, effect. Yeah, it's like 40 percent of the people who take this drug will have this effect, and that's safe. And, and not only that, is that how long are these people averagely on Ambien for? Oh yeah, that's that's another great story. So, it you know. You're not you're not supposed to give it for more than two weeks, right? Right. So you're meant to be giving it to somebody whose spouse just died, or child just died, or like something horrific. You know, they're going through some huge stress, or you know, going through bankruptcy. They're about to go to prison, like whatever. Like, and they're getting no sleep. Then you give them this, and then and it's true that is better than nothing, right? Sure. That some sleep is better than no sleep, and I have had patients who like haven't slept for a week. These people are really bad off. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, so anything to get them to sleep is fine. Um, so in that situation, it's great. But the average person on the average person who takes Ambien, or not even average, it's seventy-five, eighty percent of people who take Ambien cross over into the chronic, which is six months, right? So if you use it for six months, you're considered a chronic Ambien user. Um, really good data that anybody who's a chronic sleep drug user has a life expectancy 16 years less than average. God. Yeah. And this is amazing because it's such a common name. Like everyone knows that drug, right? right. But yeah. it's weird because the people who even take it, I bet you in the studies and all that stuff too, a lot of them, I mean, I know that they're prescribed it, but now the patients that see you, they're not even prescribed this stuff, right? They get it from a friend. Yeah, right? I mean a lot of them. I mean, not not in the military, right? Of but, course, but not. in the military, they hand this stuff out like M and M's. They didn't care. Like, oh, this is totally safe. Just take this. So, like, essentially, now you have an environment where sleeping pills and almost pain pills are just prescribed as the norm, right? Like, right. I hear about the stories, and you know this too from NFL players that are just sitting on the sideline, like I can't feel anything below my knee, and they're like, here, just take this and shoot this up, and you'll be fine. Get back out there. And essentially, it's the same thing. Your body's saying, I don't know how to sleep right. Just take this and go about your day. But think about it. If you're not sleeping right, there's dysfunction throughout your entire body. If you have pain, something is wrong. You just can't numb it. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's analogous. Like, 
I mean, in all of Western medicine, really, it's just analogous to like, hey, the check engine light came on in my car. You take it to the mechanic, and he goes over the wire cutters, and he cuts the check engine light. Like, that's what we do in sure. medicine, right? Like, oh, it, well, that wasn't actually the problem. It wasn't the light. I was wondering yeah, yeah. why that light went on, if you could figure that out. Like, and now that's functional medicine. But it's, like, <laughs> it's what we were supposed to be doing all along, man. But, I thought that's what Hippocrates uh, said, right? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, so that's your oath. But we, you know, we kind of got into this, you know, I don't know, mess of a medical system that we have now, and that doesn't happen. So now it's a whole new branch of medicine to do exactly what medicine was meant to do in the first place yeah it's a specialized thing but but you have but when you're up against things like an industry that's basically telling people like this is how you're supposed to sleep you can get four or five hours right you can take this the night before and continue your day well and you and you have all these hero stories of you know fortune 500 ceos and you know start like the big famous you know uh, tech ceos Mm -hmm. Oh, the, I sleep four hours a night. I sleep three hours. Stay up all night on my computer. Oh, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. like, okay, well, you're 25 years old, man. Like, you can get away with it for a while. It, it doesn't make it a good idea. I mean, you can you survive it? Yes. You know, can you drive your car with your feet? Yeah. Is that a good idea? Probably not, right? Yeah. You, um, so just because you can do it doesn't mean you should be doing it. And definitely everybody knows you know, as we age, all of us think we're not going to age. When we're 25, we're all bulletproof. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll get sleepy. Like, old like that, dude. Yeah, yeah. And guess what? I'm old like that. <laughs> 20, you know? 30 years later, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, well, I guess it does happen to everybody. Um, and, you know, the, the unfortunate reality is that you cannot deprive yourself of sleep and thrive, right? If you're a super high achiever and you deprive yourself of sleep, you can still be a super high achiever, right? If you're like, if you're three or four standard deviations outside of the curve, yeah. all right, now maybe, you know, you were four, now you're three, or you're three, now you're two. Right? You're still a high achiever, right? But why not be three? Why not be four, right? I mean, every hour that you deprive yourself of sleep, you lose about an hour and 15 minutes of productivity the next day. It's a negative sum game. I mean, no matter how many times you do that, you're always losing the function. And, you know, the interesting thing is when we, you know, when the research has... Uh, sleep adapted people so they got rid of everybody's sleep debt uh, which is kind of its own story we can get into that if you want but um, get rid of everybody's sleep debt and you call that their baseline and then you give them a task or you teach them a skill it doesn't matter what it is right mm-hmm. it's like type only with your left hand or you know push this button every time that turns from red to green you know, push that as fast as you can or lift as much weight as you can or run around the track as fast as you can. it doesn't matter any task this is your baseline now tomorrow you only get six hours of sleep instead of eight and then you come back and you test. And then you do worse. But then you ask them, how do you think you did? I did worse. Like, I was tired and you know, like, I really needed more mm-hmm. sleep. Day two, same thing. Day three, same thing. Day four, like, I think I did as well as I've ever done. I've, I've completely adapted to this new sleep schedule. I feel great on six hours. And I think I've done, I think I did as well as my baseline at least, if not better. And the researchers are showing the data and they'll argue with the researchers and say, no, you guys recorded that wrong. Like, I know I did better. So it's just like being drunk, right? Sure. One drink, you're like, eh, yeah, I'm fine. Two drinks, like, ah, eh, probably had to like, wait a while before I drive home. Three drinks, like, mm, maybe I should be calling the Uber. Four drinks, like, I can drive. Totally cool, right? I mean, it's the same, same it's, deal. it's exactly the same thing. So, so let me ask you then, like, a lot of times you hear people say, I'm not a morning person. Right. And they say, like, it takes me a little while to wake up and, like, get going and before I can even think clearly. You right. know, you hear those people say, don't talk to me before I have my coffee, mm-hmm. right? 
for for some people they think they have to get caffeine or some stimulant in their body in order to get their brain to work but it could be the fact that they had a horrible night of sleep they had this sleep debt and their brain is not functioning like they should but they don't see that right well so it, it can be that um but but there are there are different chronotypes right so there are people who are wired more to to be more productive towards the end of the day mm -hmm. and people who are more productive in the beginning of the day and in fact um essentially what what all of us have um is is we all have uh, a productivity curve and then we have a little dip and then we have a recovery right and um it actually flip-flops on larks and owls. So if you're a lark, you get up really early, you start your day at maximum productivity. You know, like going up, you're peaking, 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 mm -hmm. you get your little afternoon dip, now the rest of your day you're just recovering and you shouldn't be trying to do anything like really creative or really powerful. You should just be like grinding through your emails and organizing your filing cabinet and like doing sure. that kind of work towards the end of the day. The owls are flipped, so you wake up on your recovery. And yeah. you're recovering, recovering, recovering. You start feeling pretty good. You get a little dip, and now you shoot up, and you have your your you're actually peaking towards the evening. Right. And this is cognitive functioning. It's not. This isn't stress hormones. Everybody's stress hormones are the same. It's just how your body's responding to the stress hormones. So there are there are differences there. The cue though is like, have you always been that way? Like I'm an owl. Like even if I go to bed at nine o'clock and I get up you know, at six o'clock. And so now I've got nine hours of sleep, right? I'm groggy, man. Like it, yeah. it doesn't matter what I do. I can drink coffee, not drink coffee. I'm going to be groggy for an hour. That's just, sure. that's the way it is. That's who I am. But I can be really productive at eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Like I can be grinding and like, yeah, really creative and doing all sorts of things. Christine is exactly the opposite of me. Like, right. She's the lark on the owl. So we, we balance out. Like she's the, she produces in the morning. I produce in the afternoon. Like, like yeah. you know, it, it, it all works out. But if, if somebody says, Oh, I've always been like, Oh, when I was younger, man, I used to get up and did it. Sure. And I was a go, I was a go getter. Like, as soon as I got up in the morning and now they're struggling. Yeah. There's metabolic disease in there. There's, you know, circadian malalignment. Sure. There's hormonal dysregulation. There's a lot of stuff going on if you if you shift from one chronotype to the other. Yeah. I got what, well, go ahead. I wanna ask you something because why do you feel like that there's so much contradicting ish um I guess I don't know what to say research, but just uh I guess just the way that people think about sleep. Because I know I've gone through periods where like everybody was talking about like, oh, sleep's not even that important. Right. Like, you know, so people don't sleep here. here. Yeah. And, and, and then it flips back to this other thing. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I just, because I've had it. Yeah. Now I sleep a lot more and it's the best thing ever. So, so the interesting <laughs> thing is, uh, and you guys know this, like you, you can't beat bro science, right? I mean, just, you just can't. Um, and you have... You, know, you have social ideas that get promulgated yeah. and you cannot get past that. Yeah. That's a social construct. It has nothing to do with science. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, the way we greet each other, the way we sit when we're talking to each other, this is all social construct, right? Yeah. Science can't tell us to do this differently and we're going to do it differently. So that's really the battle that you're fighting. If you look at the sleep literature, like the research, it's the one, it's the one scientific field that I'm aware of that there's no controversy. Like, there's no one out there saying, oh, we researched all these people and they actually only need four hours of sleep. Yeah. Never. There's not a single, there's not a single yeah. study out there saying that. 
or you know these people do just fine with no sleep or this guy's hormones are just fine without sleep or this gal's hormones are just like no that doesn't happen the research is very clear it's 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 overcoming that social stigma you know for i mean a long time people just feel you know and you know the the theory is probably that it came along with industrialization once time became money right um and then and it really did right i mean it became completely synonymous when you're working by the hour and everybody was getting paid a nickel an hour to like go turn a drill press or bang a you know an anvil or something i mean the more you worked the more nickels you got so time was really money um and you had rural electrification so you had light bulbs and you could work all night and you could you work the night shift and you could go home and sleep for a few hours and come back and work and that's really when Sleeping became a lazy man's habit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we've we've tried to like we've tried to overcome that with science, and you can point to the fact that about three times more people in the nineteen to twenty four year age group will die from a fatal car accident from being sleepy than we will from drunk driving. But you hear a lot about drunk driving. Mm-hmm. How much do you hear about drowsy driving? Right? Yeah. How much do you hear about? Oh, you shouldn't. You didn't sleep last night. You shouldn't be driving. How often do you hear that? Yeah, it's funny. You say, like, they fell asleep at the wheel at, like, 1 in the morning. They're like, oh, you're probably drunk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And if you look at the data, I mean, about when you you sleep-deprive somebody, it's really short, right? So you take two hours of sleep away, which means they're sleeping six hours a night, which is most Americans' average, right? Do that for two weeks. They perform a coordination test, driving test juggling, computer, problem solving, whatever you want to do, they perform exactly like somebody with a blood alcohol level of 0.1. Like drunk, over the limit. Now you extrapolate that and go, okay, well, how many people am I on the freeway with in the morning that are essentially drunk? I got a scary one. (laughs) (laughs) But how many people won't drive on New Year's Eve? Right? Oh, there's drunks all over the place. Yeah, there's drunks all over the place every single day. Yeah. Right? Half half of the road is driving around drunk, essentially. Yeah. There's always wrecks in the morning on yeah. major highways. You know, I also recently saw a report or research on sleep-depriving rats, and they die after, like, two weeks or something like mm-hmm. that. Is it two weeks? Um, I don't know what... I don't know what... I don't know the rat data... Uh, the human the human data tends uh, is somewhere around eleven days nine to eleven days it seems, um, you know so there's there's an incident where a sleep researcher was in a controlled environment he was actually the researcher right he was a PhD but he was sleep depriving himself and he had other you know his colleagues were all monitoring him and doing all sorts of tests and they wanted to see what happened with sleep deprivation like what's it doing like yeah. why do we feel bad like, yeah. and this is a long time ago it's well well before we know what we know now. A long time ago in sleep years, you know, sleep science is only like 60 years old. So this is like maybe 30, 40 years ago. Sure. And um, he just gave up. He's like, I I can't do this tomorrow. I got to go sleep like night today or something. So they put him in bed and go to sleep. They come, wake him up later, he's dead. They do an autopsy. They can't figure out why he died. Like, no idea. He just died. You know, there's this... uh, there's this, fortunately, it's an exceedingly rare disease, genetic disorders passed along in families, where around 30 years old, they quit being able to sleep. And it goes from like, you know, I can hardly sleep, like insomnia, to like I'm getting bad sleep, and no matter what kind of drugs you give them, they're still not sleeping, um, all the way out to 
not sleeping, like completely awake 24 hours a day. And they all died about two months after that whole period starts. But it tends to be about two weeks after they just aren't sleeping at all anymore. And we don't know why. Like, we don't know what kills you. That's nuts. There's like no smoking gun. It's just, you just die. I was going to ask you, how do you die from lack of sleep? Yeah. I mean, no, no, but I mean, one of the things is, one of the things is happening is it's destroying your brain function, right? Because you're building up all these toxins in your brain that only get flushed out while you're in sleeping mode, right? So you're distorting the brain chemistry. Somehow you're, you know, you're changing how your brain's interacting with the rest of your body, how your nervous system is interacting with your body. Sure. And eventually things have gone so far awry that, I mean, you're not, you know, your liver isn't functioning properly and your, your kidneys aren't functioning properly and you're, you're getting, like, you can get arrhythmias from sleep deprivation. Yep. Right? Yeah. Um, very common. So, like, you know, pulmonary functions decrease. Uh, you know, if your brain chemistry is really screwed up, you can start screwing with the brain chemistry. It might just be a complete repression of respiratory. Now, we, the, interestingly, we know that these people lose almost... Like, they become completely unmeasurable in DHEA, um, which is one of the supplements that... Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I gave these guys something to help them sleep, but I also gave them stuff to help their help them improve their hormones and inflammatory markers and stuff during the day. Yeah. Um, but they go... Uh, DHEA is, like, completely gone um, in these guys, and cortisol is completely gone yeah. uh, mm-hmm. in these people. Uh, but... You know, another interesting thing I, or I think is interesting, I, I, I throw up in my lectures a lot is, um, you know, we all need, we all know that we need to eat, right? We need to exercise and we need to sleep to be healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at how long can you go without eating, and it's like six weeks or something, right? Like eight weeks maybe, depending yeah, on Yeah, you got a while, Balder. <laughs> you can go a long time without eating. Uh, how long can you go without exercising? Whole life, your whole life. Your whole life. <laughs> you know, people do it all the time. How long can you go without sleeping? Eleven like, days, apparently. Eleven. Like I, I think, I think the literature is like, I think they call it fourteen days because like some young people have made it eleven. Of days course, or so. some biohackers. But, but here's something. Here's something really interesting. The Guinness Book of World Records. You know, you can swallow swords. You can juggle chainsaws. You can try to jump your motorcycle across a canyon. They'll record your world's record, right? They won't entertain records for sleep deprivation. Really? People have submitted it. Because it's too dangerous. So there's two kids, 19-year-old kids in in the late 60s and early 70s who both have like 11 hours and nine, or 11 days and nine minutes or something like that. Um, And I don't remember, like one of them maybe beat the other one by 30 seconds or something. So that was disputed and then other people have tried to beat it and uh, no. And some radio DJ tried to <laughs> tried so to do it and it was a fundraiser and he sat in this big glass booth so that everybody could see that it was real. He's up there broadcasting live from this big glass booth and yeah. he's up on a pole and like people would walk around and see him and he ended up he ended up going psychotic. Like he had a psychotic break uh, around six days into it. it was just doing floridly psychotic weird things and they're like hey there's something wrong with you never regained never never became normal like, that's insane and he was in his late 30s which is really really late in life to have a psychotic break that's like fight club right the movie yeah. the book and all yeah. that right i mean that's yeah. essentially what happened to him yeah that's great and i remember it, the doctor he saw in there yeah. when he went in there he's like you're gonna be fine i'm gonna die from this he's like you're not gonna die from you're insomnia like, you can't die from insomnia yeah oh yes you that's can. crazy <laughs> so, so I, I have to ask you because like i'm looking at the ingredients here and i i, I see in the, in the thing you have tryptophan gaba you know the 5-htp melatonin 
I mean, if you could sum it up really quickly in a way where, like, because I know you said obviously sleep's important, can, lack of it can make you die. Um, but I don't even think that's enough for people under like to register, right? So if you put in a way like hormone balance, right? So actually, what I found, and I mean, I've been lecturing on this for almost a decade now. What I found is the only thing that motivates people is performance. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right? They don't care. I can say, hey, you're going to live 16 years shorter. Right. They don't care. You're going to be 25 pounds more fat. Every. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, you know, like. Uh, or like you're gonna be like you just say all these things like your risk for diabetes is 15 fold your risk for cancer is 20 fold your risk yeah 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 I'll, I'll i'll worry about that later right now i got to do this so you know here's the, here's the pitch the only time you get better at anything is when you sleep i have a standing offer out there i'm happy to be proven wrong like change my mind show me some evidence to the, the contrary you do not get better at anything until you sleep. It's when you sleep that you consolidate that. And that's a skill, that's athleticism, that's performance at your job, that's performance in your bedroom, that's performance in your classroom, your boardroom, whatever you, whatever it is you measure yourself by, you only get better at it while you're sleeping. When you lift weights, do you get stronger? No, you get weaker, mm -hmm. right? You're tearing your muscles that's apart. True. That's when true. When you exercise, you're tearing your muscles apart. You're getting weaker. You're getting inflamed. You're getting worse, right? Yep, yep. If you, that's why you know our ancestors didn't exercise. Yeah. They, they needed their bodies to be at their peak. Right, 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 right. Like we have to force our we have to force it because we don't ever do anything with our bodies. So we have to go like condense <laughs> daily activity into two hours. Like let's go tear our bodies out. Yeah. And but when you're in deep sleep and your growth hormone is being secreted and your testosterone is being secreted and your and your uh, um, your immune system is working at its highest peak, right, of the day. Your insulin sensitivity is at its highest. Your DHEA production is at its highest. All your oxidative markers, uh, inflammatory markers, all those are at the lowest, right? You are the most anabolic you will ever be while you're asleep. And particularly in the first half of the night, deep sleep is when you're repairing your muscles. So when you work out, you shred your muscles, you break them open, mm -hmm. like you can measure in the bloodstream, you can measure, like yeah, you've ruptured a lot of, yep. you've ruptured a lot of your muscles and we can see this in your bloodstream. There's four or five markers we can pull out to say, oh yeah, you, you definitely have ruptured muscle cells. And of course, if that goes too far, then you can go into kidney to, and kidney failure and no, stuff yeah, yeah. And, and you can die from that. Um, but when you go to sleep and all of that repairs, your muscle fibers, your body is smart enough to say, all right, we need to be able to do that much work that damaged us yesterday, so we're gonna grow back stronger, or we're yeah. gonna grow back more enduring, right? We're gonna change the machinery around, we're gonna change the thickness of that fiber, we're gonna change you know, what, you know, what organelles we have inside of that, inside that muscle fiber so that we can do that work better tomorrow. Yeah. Well, it does the same, exact same thing happens in your brain, right? As you're using your brain, you're making all sorts of connections that are useless, all right? During our day, like we're just like, yeah. we're just, we're taking in information that we're not conscious of, we're taking in information that's wrong, we're taking in like, there's all sorts of stuff that's coming into our brain that's completely useless. And if you don't go to bed and you don't go to sleep, you don't prune all of that off, right? Yeah. And then also as your brain starts producing ATP, or breaking down ATP, ATP to ATP to mm -hmm. AMP, to just A, adenosine, yeah. right? Yeah. Adenosine is actually 
um, a, a, a chemical that it's a peptide that then makes you sleepy. And all caffeine does is block adenosine receptors. Yep. Right? Yep. So when you when you break down all the ATP, you have all these byproducts. You have a ton of adenosine around. You have to replenish that adenosine, but your brain can't do all of that. So you need to flush some of that out. You need to flush other byproducts of other reactions out. Like cells have waste, just like we humans have yep. waste. We're just a bunch of cells, so we have waste because our cells have waste. You can't get that out of your brain. And then what happens when people are psychotic, right? Do, do they get really flat and they don't think of anything? No, they have a million different tangential thoughts because they're remembering everything. They didn't prune anything. They didn't get rid of all the useless information. They didn't make, they didn't lay down, oh, this is a really important piece of information. Let's make a really thick highway, information highway on this one. And then that one, oh, that connects to this. And now you can actually learn because you learned one piece of information and now you can just sit there and think about what you've learned and attach it to other stuff and you, oh my God, I learned even more. I learned with what I already knew. You can't do that if you don't sleep. So anything, it doesn't matter what you're measuring yourself by, your emotionality, you know, your, your zen-like qualities, your ability to do yoga, to lift weights, to run, to be run a business, to be a great spouse, to be a great parent, anything you measure yourself by, doesn't matter. You only get better at it while you sleep. That's cool. So if, so if I get this right, when I wake up in the morning, I take that first pee, that's all brain detox coming out. A lot of it is, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, that does, right? Because the first thing you do in the morning is you have to go to the bathroom for most people, right? Yeah. So your body's saying you're detoxing. Yeah. So well, your kidneys have been cranking for eight hours. I mean, they go down to about half speed, but you know, they're, they're just, you know, you're cranking, you're building up your urine, and it's all, it's all your cellular waste, including what's coming from your brain. And that's the only time your brain does it. Like your body, like during the whole, the, our entire day from the neck down, you know, we're filtering waste out through, yeah, yeah. Our, through our kidneys and bowels, right? Your brain only does that at night, only does that while you sleep. There's no other time. So if you don't get that sleep, you don't get that. So your brain just gets worse every day or your body gets worse every day. Sleeping prepares you for tomorrow, right? Prepares your body and your brain for tomorrow. If you don't sleep, you still have to do tomorrow, right? Where are you going to get that from? Where are the resources coming from? Mm -hmm. They're coming from places they shouldn't be coming from. Yeah. Right? You're tearing. You're going to eat yourself to fuel your brain. Right? Yeah. That's catabolic activity. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that can happen when you're sleep deprived chronically, which is anything less than seven and a half hours plus or minus half an hour. Varies from person to person that 30 minutes and it varies from day to day. So if you don't really do much that day, maybe seven hours is plenty. If you work really hard and then you work out really hard and it's really hot and you have like a stressful day, maybe you need eight hours, maybe you need eight and a half hours, right? It's not the same every night, but it's roughly about seven and a half to eight hours per night for the average. If you, if you aren't getting that sleep every day, you're that's what the sleep debt is. Every day you're borrowing, like, well, let me take a little glycogen yep. from yep. my liver. Yep. Let me take a little protein from my muscles. Let me take a little bit of this from that, a little bit of that. And your body's eating itself. You're catabolic. You're breaking yourself down. That's why people look so old when they, I, I mean, I did a lecture once and they, I had uh, three slides, uh, right after, one right after another, where and you can go online and just Google this. Um, like 19, 20 year old girls. And you, you show them normal and then you show them after being awake for 16 hours and it's not like you know they've been beaten up or like their you know their hair's a mess or whatever like they look completely yeah. different and they look older yeah 
right? Uh, <laughs> you lose a lot of the muscle tone, the neuromuscular tone that holds our face up. And then over time, you actually deplete collagen, right? Collagen yeah, production goes down yeah. because you have excess cortisol during the day. And yep. that's catabolic. And you're using that collagen as a protein source to borrow because you don't have enough fuel because you haven't been sleeping. Hence why people get wrinkles when they smoke. Yeah. Exactly. That's great. So, like, if you think about this, like, everything that comes to deprivation when your body, like, for the essential sleep, water, eating, exercise, it all affects the brain, right? Because right. think about it. If, bless you. If you don't sleep, it tears up your brain, right? Because your brain essentially just recharges and redoes. It works harder during sleep than it does any part of the day, right? So, if you don't eat enough, eventually your body will pull from, like, fat from the brain, like ketones, right? right. Essentially, right? In starvation mode, water half of the body i mean i mean actually like 80 percent, right is, is like right. water right, right. so the, in the, your your brain as well and then uh and then of course like your nutrients right so like you go back to this right here like gaba's in here tryptophan all that as well i mean if you're not even getting tryptophan you have no chance of even sleeping right but right. let alone that pathway of stress is going to pull the tryptophan into an inflammatory response rather than the melatonin which is the sleep so you yeah. worry about someone being stressed all the time i got to do this i got to do this i got to do this i can't sleep i got this to take care of even if they're taking melatonin, it's not even going to directly go that way because the body's going to say, we got all this melatonin, but you're not sleeping. You're not, you're not relaxed. We can't recharge. You're not getting good sleep. We're not going to do anything with it. Yeah, well, even if you just take melatonin, I mean, the, the thing is, from the time the sun goes down, if we go back to our ancestral way we're, way we're designed, from the time the sun goes down until the sun, and, and remember, it's going to be like three hours before you go to sleep. And then when the sun comes up, so that whole period, about 12 hours, right? 10 to 12 hours, depending on the season, your brain produces th three to six micrograms of melatonin over all of that period. So if you go pop a five milligram melatonin pill and you get even a milligram of that into your brain, like, all right, you have a milligram of melatonin in your brain all at once and right, it shuts down your your response to all stress hormones, okay? Gotcha. So your cortisol is no longer affecting your brain, epinephrine, norepinephrine is not affecting your brain anymore. It allows you to quit worrying enough to go to sleep. But do that over and over and over again, and what does your body do when there's an excess, right? If you give somebody a testosterone injection every day, what happens to their testosterone production? No mm -hmm. way, right? Yep. We can't prove that happens with melatonin. It probably happens, but what we can prove is that melatonin receptors go away. Because there's an excess, right? right? Why do we need so many receptors? Like there's, like there's a right. There's a million balls in the air. We only need one glove, right? Um, if there's one ball, you need a million gloves, right? So you decrease the receptors, and now when you quit taking the melatonin, the normal amount of melatonin your brain produces isn't going to be nearly enough, right? Because you don't have any receptors. You have yeah. one tenth of the receptors you used to have, so you essentially have one tenth of the melatonin that you used to have. Yeah. So it's a bad idea to just take it, and then the other. And then they're like, well, we can take a sustained release. And then, yeah, yeah. like, oh, come on. Like, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's the pharma. It's the pharma way. I mean, it's like, well, we're just, just going to trick your brain into sleeping. Yeah. Like, and we don't want to trick. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, you have GABA in here for crying out loud. For the people who don't know what GABA is, like, out of the neurotransmitters, you have serotonin, dopamine, uh, norepinephrine, epinephrine. Uh, GABA is like the one inhibitory one that we produce, the one that's parasympathetic responsive. The thing is, like, you can take all the melatonin you want, but if you're never in parasympathetic mode, 
You're never going to utilize it like you want. You're not going to get GABA production. Right. And it's like, you know, these biohackers, right, who wear their blue blocking glasses, they put those on at 7 p.m. or whatever. Sure. Actually, I see them wear them all day, which I don't know. Oh, yeah. They they wear them all day. I don't really understand what the point of that is. With the finger toe uh, shoes, right? Right, Allison? But let's say that you're an intelligent biohacker and you put them on three hours before you want to go to bed. Okay, you're starting this whole cascade, right? Everything's going, you're going you're gonna to produce melatonin, all that pathway's going to go. GABA's going to increase. But what happens if you go to happy hour, right? Are you going to fall asleep during happy hour because you wear your blue blocking glasses? No, you're <laughs> no. going to overcome, you're going to overcome the GABA, uh, you know, the GABA yeah. pathway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, again, you only produce so much GABA, you only have so many GABA receptors, you can only get so much of a GABA effect. If you override it by stimulating your brain, you know, it's not going to do anything. Kind of active. Yeah. 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 No, I, I totally get it. This has been awesome. I think yeah. every time I talk to you about sleep, I learn something brand yeah. new. It, it's funny. We recently, I know we need to wrap up on time and everything, but Baldo and I and my wife, Merrick, we, uh, we all have the sleep cycle, uh, cycle apps. Yeah. Okay. You know, just to measure sleep. And right. it's... Obviously not as extensive as, you know, the research you've done, but it's my own research to say, like, am I getting good sleep? You know, and I like seeing those gaps in the deep sleep ranges because I'm saying, hey, I did well. I did like I got down there where I needed to go. I saw one guy who was incredible. He is a yoga instructor, a spin uh, instructor, and he goes, go, go, go all the time. He has one day a week to rest. Mm. And he showed us he does the same app and he shows us during the week when he's teaching and going 14 hours a day. He gets some decent sleep. The one day he rests. His cycle was, and it's all hovering like right around awake. Mm. And he goes, that's my relaxed day. I said, dude, there's nothing relaxing about this at all. It's all catching up to you. You get maybe 10 minutes of sleep, mm. a deep sleep total, accumulative. Yeah. And he's just like, wow, I never thought about it. And I'm like, dude, this is supposed to be like your one important day to relax and your body's in completely in reverse mode. And it's like that. People say, this is my day to rest. This is my time to rest. I'll get four hours of sleep here. I'll, I'll, I'll catch up when I'm older. I'll die. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Right. You know, like I don't have time yeah, for it. Sleep, you know, right? It's like God bless. Sleep is for the week. Sleep is for the week, yeah. and it's just saying like, do something that's probably the most important thing of the day is sleep. So you, I mean, probably what's going on with that guy is he has a lot of cognitive dissonance, right? He has a lot of stuff stirring oh, up yeah. in his brain, and during the week, he is compensating for that by distracting himself from all of these other things. Now he has one day off. He has no distractions. Yeah. he has to deal with yeah. all of that. Um, and you know, and then he's not getting the exercise he's getting. You know, the other thing about you know the the real sleep yeah. pressure, like when you lay down and you just like zonk out like immediately, yeah. that's the sleep pressure. Like that drive that's just like, man, I gotta go to bed. That's sleep pressure, right? It's like any other kind of pressure. It's like somebody squeak. Okay, yeah, I gotta submit. Like I'm I'm going to sleep. Well, that's caused by adenosine. Right. So the more you use your muscles, the more you use your brain, the more adenosine buildup you're going to have, the more sleep pressure you're going to have. The reason men usually fall asleep fine even when they have insomnia, men tend to have uh, insomnia in the middle of the night, right? So there's initiation insomnia, then there's maintenance insomnia, and then there's terminal insomnia. Men tend to have the maintenance insomnia. So they go to sleep for an hour, hour and a half, and then boom, they're wide awake. And then their mind's going a million miles. That's because men have proportionally, like, you know, a small woman has about the same size brain as I do, right? And literally, she's half my weight, right? She's 100, 105 pounds. Her brains are, I mean, maybe 10% different. 
our bodies are hugely different. Mm -hmm. So I produce so much more adenosine than she does because I'm moving all this extra mass around, right? So all that's in my brain as well. So I go to sleep really well, but as soon as my brain flushes all of that adenosine out, now my stress hormones can keep me awake because I have stress going all the time, all the time. So this guy is probably what he's doing, completely exhausting himself during the day with all of his activities, huge adenosine buildup, all this distractions, just too damn tired to worry about anything, goes to sleep and luckily for him probably stays asleep. Yeah. And then the one night he doesn't have all the distractions and he doesn't have all yeah. the exercise. Mm. Yeah. So then almost, then I think about this too, with your formula, you could also say you're gonna use that excess of adenosine to basically make more ATP mm-hmm. when you do finally wake up, right? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. So I mean, you're not gonna get that from melatonin. No. You're not, and that's the thing. That's and why the, it's and so important. The thing important. about this is, you know, just what we were talking about, like the circadian rhythm matters just as much as all the activities, right? So the sleep hygiene matters, but the circadian rhythm matters, right? You can't just say, I'm going to flip it. You know, people who've worked night shift their whole lives, they live, again, 16, 17 years less than average. Um, and it's because they're off, they're, they're not in tune with the planet. They're not, in, they're not in rhythm with the planet. You could take this right now. It's not going to make you fall asleep. Right. If you take it when you're ready for bedtime, when you're ready to start your sort of bedtime ritual, you know, if you've ever had a little kid or been a little kid, you know, there's like this protracted period to get a kid to sleep. We're no different. Like, we all know, like, we don't tell everybody else, but we all know we're just little kids in grown up bodies, right? Like, yeah, I we still that. feel like we're just little <laughs> Allison kids. Allison tells that all the time. Like, I just feel like <laughs> I feel the same as I did when I was eight. Like, yeah. I'm no different, right? But you had to have this bedtime routine when you're young, and now we're adults, we think we can work on our computers <laughs> and close it and lay down and go, ah, I should be asleep in any second, now, yeah. right? Yeah. Golly, that, that's, that's awesome. That is, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I can't stress enough, literally, the idea of how important sleep is and to hear you break it down like that you just put it in ways that people can understand it better so i mean we didn't even get into the whole neurotransmitter aspect of it too much i know that's probably another time but yeah. i i mean that's cool balda you got anything you want to ask right now I, that's awesome i can't thank you enough i, I know we probably it. went over our time but uh if if somebody wanted to try your supplement how would they go about finding it uh, you go to my website. Well, if they're in Austin, they should come They're in Austin, come to MSW come Lounge, of course. Right? Right? Come yeah. to MSW Lounge, but they're not in Austin. My website, uh, Doc, D-O-C, my last name, Parsley, like the herb, P-A-R-S-L-E-Y, DocParsley.com. Yep. Or you can Google Sleep Remedy, it'll show up. It's Whole30 approved. and all that stuff, too? Yeah, I've been. Maybe, maybe not you, but someone else. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody's using it. For <laughs> you can find him on there. So, Doc, thank you so much yeah. for coming out. And uh, so. go get some sleep. Yeah.